Hello everyone, this is Drew Precious, Director of Communications at the Presidential Precinct. I'm pleased to welcome you to Season 3 of the Global Founders Podcast. Here we will share highlights of our latest virtual programming initiatives, originally aired as Zoom events on the Presidential Precinct Network, featuring the voices of our program alumni and trusted experts working to further any of our six core focus areas. Thank you for joining us today on the Global Founders Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil Piper. I'm the executive director of the Presidential Precinct, a nonprofit based here in Virginia that makes lifelong investments in emerging leaders who have a bold vision to change the world. Since 2012, we've hosted 1,200 leaders from over 160 countries through programs based here in the United States. And we bring together over 6,000 leaders virtually through the Presidential Precinct Network. Now for today's campfire conversation, we have the privilege to be joined by Presidential Precinct alumna, Toyosi Ogunsie, who's the head of BBC West Africa, Raymond Nlobu, CEO of Community Investment Ventures Holdings, and Ifoma Okaforobi, Director of the Operations of Tony Ilamilu Foundation. Today's event is completely sold out. We had over 100 people register from 30 countries. And today, as we get started, I invite everyone to introduce themselves in the chat by just saying where you're from. We'd love to hear from you. And today, Toyosi will introduce all the panelists that are here with us today. And we're here to have a casual conversation about our, to our topic of uh, choice today, which is emerging opportunities for young African leaders post-COVID-19. So first, I want to introduce Toyosi Ogunsie, who's the head of BBC West Africa. Toyosi and I met in 2014 as a Mandela Washington Fellow. She was here at the Presidential Precinct for uh, this incredible leadership program, and we became really close friends. And at the time, she was the first female editor of the Punch newspaper, which is the most widely news read newspaper in, in Nigeria. And over the years, she's won over 30 awards as an investigative journalist, including a leadership war award in 2016 given by the Presidential Precinct, the Young Leader Award, alongside Secretary Madeleine Albright. Uh, you'll find today, uh, as I turn it over to Toyosi, that throughout the presentation, we encourage everyone to type in your questions in the Q&A at the bottom of your screen. And following the talk, Toyosi uh, and or myself will share each of the questions uh, with the panelists. Uh, although Toyosi is the moderator today, she is also an expert in this space. And we hope, uh, Toyosi, that you are able to answer some of the questions from the audience as well. So Toyosi, I'm gonna turn it over to you to introduce our distinguished panelists for today. Thank you so much, Neil. That was a really generous introduction. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this webinar on emerging opportunities for young African leaders post COVID-19. I'm joined by two really experienced entrepreneurs on the African continent. And it's my pleasure to introduce to you, Raymond Ndlovo, who is a CEO, Community Investment Ventures Audience, and Ifoma Okafo Obi, who is here with me in Nigeria, not in the same office, but not too far away. She is the Director of Operations, Tony Ilumilu Foundation. Welcome. We're going to start this conversation with a brief introduction from both of them, and I'll be going to Raymond first. 
can you tell us more about yourself and your entrepreneurial journey? Thank you, to Yossi. Um, I'm literally um, a double-sided coin, as I like to describe myself. I uh, started out my career in banking um, in the formal sector, and then after a seven-year center, I decided I want to try my hand at, uh, at entrepreneurship. And my first venture was in asset management. Um, and then I went back very briefly into corporate and then flipped out again uh, to start a stockbroking entity. Sold that, uh, exited, as uh, entrepreneurs like to say, um, to an international firm. And then moved my family down to the Winelands and started my third business, which is uh, a wine venture where we produce and market wines for the local and export market. And currently I'm back again in corporate leading uh, a company which uh, is involved in the digital infrastructure space. So I've been both um, throughout my life. Oh, interesting. I wish this conversation was physical. Would have had it one testing session after this. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Raymond. And Ifama, can you tell us more about yourself? Okay, so um, I've, I've worked across different uh, multinationals, um, Procter & Gamble, Diageo, Coca-Cola International, mostly as commercial strategy. But throughout my work, I kind of noticed that you know, there was need to nurture African entrepreneurs, and therefore I did a pivot and I came went to not-for-profit, which is why I'm with Tony and Middle Foundation today. Tony and Middle Foundation is, um, it's, you know, it's a very, what we're doing is that we have this commitment over, it's a hundred million dollars investment to, you know, identify and train, you know, entrepreneurs that have ideas that can make a difference in their society. And we're in the sixth year now, and we've trained over 9,000 entrepreneurs, you know, because, uh, because we've got some partners that came on board. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'd love to share you know, all my ideas about what entrepreneurs can do, because right now is a very tough time for entrepreneurs, and everything they can get, and they can get to enable them to be able to succeed, you know, I know they need that right now. Thank you so much, Ufoma. I'm sure our attendees here today are excited to hear about the opportunities for them in the Tony Ilumili Foundation and for you to also share your wealth of experience as we go forward. Welcome again, everyone. We'll be starting our conversation with Raymond. Entrepreneurship has changed dramatically because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I just want you to take us on a trajectory. What was the landscape like before this pandemic and what is it now? Um, thanks to see I think that um, entrepreneurs will always recognize that um, they're, they're always on a mission. Uh, I know from my days as an entrepreneur, you're always out looking for opportunities. And I think the, the level of intensity has not changed. Um, people are out there looking for opportunities, um, expanding and growing their business. But I think the context has changed due to COVID-19. And by that, I really mean that um, the difficulty of getting product to market, the challenge of securing funding has just become more difficult um, in certain instances because of, uh, you know, the financial crisis that that has led to. But in true entrepreneurial spirit, there have also been great opportunities that have arisen. Uh, this low-touch digital economy um, is looking for people who can exploit the gaps that are there and I think uh, I'm sure I'm speaking to an audience that's already seen what can be done uh, and done profitably uh, to fulfill those needs in the market. 
Thank you so much, Raymond. Opportunities um, is making my hair tingle. I love to hear that <laughs> word. But before we speak more about opportunities, Ifoma, is there anything you have seen that's changed on the African continent in terms of entrepreneurship, particularly during the pandemic? Yes, so um, definitely one of the things that's changed is that there's more demand for commodities versus, you know, luxury. And another thing that has changed is that before it used to be extremely difficult for you to, you know, people with, that are at the idea stage or that very, very young businesses that do not have significant cash flow to get funding for their businesses. But, you know, behind this COVID-19, there's a lot of uh, concerns that, you know, a lot of economies are going to, are going to collapse. So there are a lot of you know, organizations are looking at what can we do differently? How do we support the entrepreneurial economy of Africa so that you know, they come out of COVID-19 and then a lot of economies do not, um, do not collapse. So we're seeing you know, some movements and some conversations that you know, would benefit entrepreneurs in the next couple of months. Um, of course, even throughout this COVID-19, we saw a lot of people put out free resources. Um, on TF Connect, which is our proprietary technology platform throughout this period and even up to now, we have uh, knowledge sessions and we also have um, to our enterprise toolkit, which we use to train entrepreneurs. It's open with free. And basically what everyone is trying to do is to ensure that entrepreneurs have the knowledge that they need to be able to pivot and you know, survive this pandemic period. And also the next thing people are trying to do then is to ensure that they have funding, especially for you know, businesses that are at idea stage or, you know, at bottom of the business, uh, pyramid businesses so that uh, they do not collapse during this pandemic or post-pandemic, but we're able to, you know, recover and the economy can get back on track. So thank, thank you so much, Ifoma. Thank, th thank you so much because you've said a few things, you and Raymond have said a few things that I think our audiences would not want to know more about. Raymond spoke about the opportunities in the digital space and you also spoke about how more businesses, established businesses are willing to help entrepreneurs in this season. Let's do a deep dive into the opportunities that are bound for our young entrepreneurs on this continent. Beyond digitalization of commodities, where is the gold? Where should we be going to? What should we be looking for in this period? Any of you can go first. Well, I can volunteer, um, and I guess uh, there is a, a certain degree of of, uh, of bias in my answer, uh, Toyosi, because uh, right now I'm involved with a uh, a telecommunications infrastructure business, uh, which is offering um, a backbone uh, for entrepreneurs to connect into it, and so I see a lot of potential for for different sectors that are solving today's problems. So, for example, um, in the security space, um, you know that in South Africa, the, um, there is a, a big challenge with security. We have recently backed a, a young startup business, which is doing exceptionally well in setting up cameras for shared monitoring uh, on a video management system, for example. Um, I can also talk to um, specific uh, examples of opportunities in the education sector. People are now learning from home. How do you deliver that online and do it better? How do you, I've been speaking to a number of uh, entrepreneurs who've been starting up online courses and, and seeing how they can deliver those in a practical way. So a lot of this is enabled by digital infrastructure, by technology and by access to broadband. So that's the, the space I'm really passionate about. 
And I think in this low-touch economy environment, we have a lot of opportunities to actually start solving uh, the post-pandemic um, opportunity, the post-pandemic crisis-driven opportunities. Thank you very much, Ifoma. Yes, I also uh, technology obviously is a no-brainer, um, including internet access. But we also see, you know, electrification projects, especially off-grid solutions. Um, in the healthcare and food sector, we're seeing, you know, move towards natural and organic and healthcare products and immune boosters. And even within healthcare, core healthcare, we're seeing you know, telemedicine and you know, digital remote uh, imaging, you know, just, you know, they're all coming up. Um, and edutainment, so education, but, you know, with the entertainment values like games, uh, you know, education movies, and then fabric manufacturing, there are lots of, um, there are lots of them coming up, and um, especially export business. So there's, there's quite a lot um, happening like right now, and everyone is leveraging technology because there's a lot of remote um, shopping happening. So you, you don't, you can, I mean, your customer can be in any part of the world. So all the sectors that I've called, one of the things that defines all of them is that they, they are all literally leveraging technology to be able to, you know, succeed at this period. Thank you very much, Ifoma. Very quickly, is there any one organization that is providing funding for young entrepreneurs during the pandemic that you'd like to share with us? Do you know of anyone? Um, my organization? Okay, um, yes. Yes. So, um, like I said earlier, it's a hundred million dollars, um, you know, and what we're doing over 10 years is that we want to, you know, identify, um, train, mentor, and then provide seed capital to entrepreneurs that you know, have ideas that can significantly impact their, um, and to, to impact their environment and generate jobs and you know, help the economy. So, so how might young entrepreneurs reach you then? Because I'm sure so many of them are on this call and they're eager to know how to access this opportunity. So um, you can go on TF Connect. The, we open every 1st of January and then so we um, do application drives. But over and above that, we also have partners like Airbnb, UNDP, who also have programs that they're running through us. So um, we always announce when these programs come up and when we announce them, we put it on TF Connect. So ideally, to get all this information, you need to be on TF Connect because all the, once all the opportunities come up, we announce it on TF Connect, what are opportunity and our partner opportunities. So you really want to be there. Plus you have the free resources right now to you know, learn how to structure your business to scale, um, you have mentors to help you if you're having problems with your business. And then you also see all the funding that is available. So, yeah, I mean, really is a no-brainer that you need to be on that platform right now. Thank you so much, Ifoma. Both of you have spoken so much about digitalization and how that is the future. But again, we're seeing trends of so many communities in, on this continent where this very low broadband, Raymond, you would testify to that. We still have yes. citizens who cannot afford to even buy internet data on their phone. And so when you leave the urban cities, you know, I mean, Nigeria, when you leave Lagos and Abuja, if you're in Kenya, when you leave Nairobi, if you're in South Africa, when you leave the capital, um, the question is, we're moving very quickly towards digitalization. But a lot of our communities, a lot of the people we want to reach still cannot afford data on their phones because it's expensive. And for some of them, they're even in locations where there's really no broadband. So how do we marry this, Raymond? How do we, how do we, how, how can entrepreneurs marry this together where we really want to be digital, but the reality of our environment does not allow us to be that way? 
you've really hit on, on exactly why entrepreneurs are so critical in our world. That itself is an existential problem for, for a lot of developing countries. And um, I'm proud to say I'm part of an organization that has developed the world's first prepaid fiber, um, which you can actually download using a low cost uh, technological solution. Again, that is the gap. Um, the gap is how do we solve this problem? There, there you ask for an entrepreneur to come to the fore and say, okay, I've got a problem which requires um, bandwidth to be distributed to a, a broad um, section of the population, but at a relatively cheaper rate. And so we come out with a, um, a new solution. Um, and there are a number of other um, uh, entrepreneurs that are looking to use what we've already got to compress and um, almost compartmentalize the offering so that it's cheaper and easier to consume uh, for, for, for our people out there and, and therefore can, can actually uh, use it as, as a basis to, to launch their products and services. Thank you so much, Vermont. I mean, you would agree with me that at this point, the world needs inspiration. Ifama, can you share with us some real examples, practical examples of young Africans who are already meeting critical needs during this pandemic? Yeah, I can think of a couple. So I have um, Erico uh, Fortes, who's uh, he's a, he's from Cap Verde. Um, he has a company called Prime Biotics, and basically the initial plan for him was just to do drone, to deliver, to develop versatile drones that uh, that help farmers around the world. But you know, during this pandemic, what he did was that he re-engineered his drones to disinfect sheets to deliver medical and non-medical supplies. And, you know, he now has um, another arm of his business that produces 3D printed face shields for hospitals. So that's one. Um, there's another Nigerian um, by the name of um, Chidi Ohama. Um, he's the CEO of Sevens Healthcare. And basically what he just devised was a way for entrepreneurs, uh, for, for people to get tested from the comfort of their homes, which, is, which has always been a challenge for people because, you know, they're scared to go out and then they feel that there's this, stigma or shame of coming out to get tested. So it just made it convenient for you to get tested in your house. Um, another entrepreneur I can think of, this is Cheryl Nguyen, his name is Mohamed Akamra. Um, and basically what he did was that he noticed that they didn't have water and, you know, in his neighborhood. And so he just built an automatic hand washing uh, machine, which is, has been deployed across different areas in his community. So, um, and right now they can all wash their hands and, you know, and, you know, he just really helped his community. And um, another person I can think of is um, Juliet, um, Juliet Namiju from Uganda, um, Kimuli uh, Fashion Inhibiti. What they normally do is that they confirm the, the term plastic waste to fashion, to high fashion. But what he did, what she did this time around was that um, she um, converted the waste to disposable biodegradable masks, which, you know, they shared for free to um, disabled um, to people who could not afford it. And basically because of what she did, she, she got an award um, you know, during this period. So there's been quite a lot of um, entrepreneurs that you know, have looked at this COVID-19 period and they've turned you know, what was supposed to be a problem to you know, an opportunity and they're kind of making a lot of difference in the society. So top of mind, these are like four. I tried to call from different parts of Africa so that you can see that whether you're in Nigeria you're in Sierra Leone or you're in Uganda or you're in Kabat, that you're able to you know, make a significant difference in your community and you know, create jobs and just impact people. 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Ifoma. Still talking about um, inspiration, Raymond. Who are the big players and what investment trends are we seeing on the continent? So um, I think that uh, one of the critical things that's starting to happen is what I call inter-regional cooperation, because what's happening is now entrepreneurs are starting to travel, uh, well, before the pandemic that was, and starting to learn from each other. And I think with that has become uh, a sort of cross-pollination of ideas in, in various sectors. So you're starting to see people saying, well, if, if we can do that uh, in a South African context, why don't I take this idea in Kenya, and maybe modify it for the local context and the local market. And um, the, the, the trend that I'm seeing now is that in each of the major, at the moment, it's very focused on, on urban centers, uh, and hopefully it's going to um, disseminate as time uh, goes on. But what's starting to happen is you're starting to get these global or local centers of, of excellence and accelerators, um, people coming together, uh, forming many ecosystems. So you've got funders, you've got business plan, people coming together. I, I happen to be a mentor at a center like that in Cape Town, which brings together a number of financial institutions uh, on the one hand, and then it also um, acts as a sort of incubator for, for um, young entrepreneurs to come and test out their ideas. And around it is a support system of uh, mentors that are drawn from all walks of life that help on a regular basis over a sort of uh, concentrated period, uh, interaction with these entrepreneurs to take their ideas from seed and concept stage right the way to, to market readiness and, and launch. So the, these are the things that are happening uh, in the cauldron of, of, uh, of, of our bustling cities at the moment, and it's very exciting. Thank you so much. Ifoma, you wanted to make a point um, just before Raymond started. You wanted to speak more about the big players. Yes, so um, again, we have UNDP, we have AFD, um, we have AU actually. Um, so, a lot of, so one of the things we've seen is that um, there's been like a unification of ideas and cross-specialization of ideas. So a lot of people are coming together as partners to see how can we solve our problem? You know, how, can, how can Africans solve African problems? And that increased awareness is making it easier for us to, for you to have access to knowledge, access to technology, access to, you know, whatever it is you need to be able to, you know, uh, create the vision and to be able to, you know, be the change that you need. So I'm quite happy with that trend. And like I said, in a couple of months, we know we're going to hear a couple of, you know, announcements, um, more programs are coming up because the focus right now is to ensure that COVID-19 does not, you know, make the African uh, economy to collapse. Or instead, the focus is to bring in as much funding as possible and as much, you know, democratization of ideas, as much knowledge and as much share and reapply so that, you know, the economy is able to survive and, you know, Africans are empowered to be able to, you know, own their outcome. Thank you so much, Ifoma. Thank you for that. Raymond, I was listening to you very intensely um, when you were speaking about the corporations that have been born as a result of this pandemic. But there's still a lot of challenges that stand in the way of those corporations, whether in terms of policies, government regulations. How do you think, or what kind of policies do you think governments need to be looking at to foster entrepreneurship and innovation among African um, young entrepreneurs? 
I think uh, the first thing we, we need to do is have a change of uh, attitude um, towards entrepreneurship, that uh, actually it's the done thing. So that this whole attitude that you need to go and get a job and make use of yourself uh, becomes passe. Because actually, if you're solving a problem and someone is prepared to pay you for it, hey, presto, you're an entrepreneur, right? And I think that um, we should be getting our youngsters as early as school going age, even in primary school, to be thinking out of the box about not what are you going to be uh, only in professional terms, but what problems do you see in the world that you could potentially be a part of solving? And that's the entrepreneurial spirit that you want to start right at a young age and actually be teaching it um, as a subject in schools. So that by the time someone gets to university, even if they're looking to study um, a particular discipline, they have a sense as to how they're going to be the one to bridge that gap and actually create jobs, not be looking for one. Um, so I think um, that's one. And another thing is obviously just creating, I think, much easier access to not just funding. I don't think funding is the only problem. I think it's the um, technical skills to ideate, uh, to actually uh, put together your, your, your proposal and how to pitch. How do you actually access those markets that you require? Um, and, and the third thing that I think needs to happen is a much more rigorous um, um, uh, forming rigorous linkages between corporates and entrepreneurs. Corporates uh, possess deep wells of knowledge and experience and also vast resources, some of which uh, go empty for a lot of the time. So with COVID-19, for example, a lot of corporates have got half-occupied offices. Why not turn some of those um, half-occupied offices into uh, hubs for, for entrepreneurs to, to huddle so that we can actually multiply that productivity? So I think there's a lot that can be done, uh, both not only only in the public policy space, but um, also enabling um, linkages between private and public sector as well. Thank you, Raymond. So how, how might we now develop the skills that are very lacking? Because we know that we cannot leave it to government. Um, and you spoke, I think your last point was leaning on the knowledge of corporates um, to bridge this gap. But then how do we encourage or how can corporates begin to see this as a core social responsibility um, that would, at the end of the day, benefit them? Well, they can start with their own supply chain. Uh, a lot of what companies do in terms of, even if it's small things like sourcing their office stationery um, and looking at how certain services are delivered, the question is, are we actually farming those out to young entrepreneurial businesses that can do things better, differently, and even less expensively? Um, and, and that's where the real um, change happens in, in employing uh, these young uh, entrepreneurs and their organizations. So I think there's lots to be done and, and maybe it's not only uh, through legislation and by legislation. I think one can actually create incentives um, that because you know the corporates and the business people understand profitability. So if you dangle the carrot of uh, making more profit uh, through um, leveraging um, small enterprises, you actually could have a thing going there. I'm excited about all the solutions um, you're dropping on the table, Raymond. Ifama, what are your thoughts about this? Okay, so um, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, so in terms of policies, one of the things I see will be very helpful is like the, something equivalent to the Nigerian 2019 Finance Act 
which was established to relieve MSMEs, um, you know, that have turnover of less than 25 million of some setting taxes so that they can breathe at the beginning when their business is just growing. So, you know, policies like that, definitely. Um, secondly, um, so add to provide them with access and networks. So access to the world-class training. And just like you rightly said, you know, um, private sector, public sector acting as mentors to these young businesses because, you know, uh, there's no need for them to make the mistakes that the, the big um, corporates have made and have learned from. They can, you know, stand on the, on the shoulders of giants and, you know, just grow and scale immediately. Um, even just acting, you know, knowledge, just becoming part of knowledge sharing partners, becoming part of hubs, just, you know, making sure that, you know, the knowledge, the systems and processes are in place from the beginning, you know, and, uh, you know, just to have people that adopt like certain sectors as sectors that they want to support and see to grow. So I'll, I'll give an example today, like, um, say, let's, uh, let's think about Hollywood, look at the amount of, you know, look at the amount of money that is made in this small place and it's just, they're just churning out films. But today, if you want to make a film, if you're in the creative industry, what kind of business plan do you write to a bank that, you know, makes sense to the bank? Because you can't not even quantify how much you're going to make. You do not know if this, this particular, you know, this particular uh, film you're going to shoot is going to be successful or not. So I think also it goes down to, you know, some certain sectors, you know, getting uh, private and public um, sectors, um, private and public individuals to adopt some certain sectors that are able to make use of two things that we have, which is, uh, you know, lots of people and then lots of resources that are just able to adopt those sectors that can take, you know, take up a lot of people and help that sector to grow. Another thing that I think that is very, very important is, you know, you know like internship programs or, you know, just if we're able to get a lot of places where these entrepreneurs can go and learn, you know, learn properly, impact forms, such that, you know, they don't make the mistake and lose the money first, but they, they, they have the knowledge, they have some experience, they have some mentoring, then they have access to markets and in the assets to the right networks before they even start to, to spend. That way, you know, they're up there, you know, they're set up for success from the beginning. And that's one of the things that we try to do in the foundation. And that's why we have TF Connect, because it gives you access to networks of like-minded people. If you check, check, check the sector you want, you see a lot of people in that sector. It gives you access to market directly because we have a marketplace that can sell your product and we give you access to the training that you need. But we need you know, more people to get on board and do this. And then we also do advocacy. So uh, across different um, countries, when we have entrepreneurs in those countries and they come to us and say, this is what we're, you know, what we're facing. Because we have you know, the annual forum where we get have lots of people that come together, government, private sector, you know, um, uh, got, you know, they all come together, the entrepreneurs themselves, impact hubs, you get them every year. Everyone talks to each other, listens to each other, understands the, you know, the challenges that they're all facing. And at the end, you find that when they go back to their home countries, it starts to see some changes. We've, we've been able to successfully, you know, change some policies and make it, you know, more friendly in some countries. So if more things like that is what we really need at this point. Thank you so much, Ifoma. I don't know about you, but I've been able to get some entrepreneurial ideas from what Raymond and um, Ifoma have shared, you know, getting other 
entrepreneurs ready for opportunities in terms of teaching them how to write business plans, giving them advice, could also be a business model I might be looking into. If you are just joining us, welcome to Emerging Opportunities for Young African Leaders Post-COVID-19 webinar hosted by the Presidential Principate. And I've been speaking with Raymond Ndlovo, CEO, Community Investment Ventures Audience, and Ifoma Okafo Obi. Director of Operations, Tony Elomelo Foundation. Please feel free to drop your questions in the question and answer chat box and we'll come back to those very soon. Back to you, Raymond. There was something you said earlier that I noted. Is entrepreneurship for everyone? It's a great question because uh, I think not uh, a single day goes by when someone has got a dream, right? And they're thinking, maybe this is my opportunity. I think it is, um, just as long as you're prepared to go beyond yourself and look to serve a purpose. If you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, I'm afraid. I think the money uh, often uh, is seen as the, the breakthrough success. It's the impact first that comes. The money follows. And if you're a purpose-driven individual who sees a gap to provide a product or a service, that you can um, sell to someone and a market that's sustainable, you're an entrepreneur. The question is, do you have the discipline and the commitment to go beyond just uh, earning a weekly or monthly paycheck? There's the question. And that's a question everyone needs to ask themselves. Thank you so much, Raymond. Ifoma, is entrepreneurship for everyone? And when is the right time to take that plunge from your nine to five into entrepreneurship? It takes a significant level of discipline and education for anyone to succeed in their line of business, whether you are in your own business or if you're an employee. So let's at least get that one straight. So unless you have that discipline and dedication, you are not even going to succeed. So as long as you have this discipline and dedication, the next step is, do you have an idea or a product or a service that can make a significant difference? And so that's why I always advise people that want to get into entrepreneurship that the first step before you drop your nine to five is to query that idea or that you have and we'll do a lot of research to be sure that you are solving a need and that you know you are not just it's not just like something that you're passionate about or which nobody needs. If you then have found this loophole or and this need that is very pressing then that's the time that you can say, yes, I want to be an entrepreneur because I have this need that I can solve. And as long as you've identified the right need and the right solutions, entrepreneurship is for you because you are definitely going to succeed. Thank you very much, Ifom. I'm seeing some exciting questions coming in from our participants. But before we get to the questions, Raymond, looking back at your entrepreneurial journey, what would you have done differently? Um, I think, uh, to yours, uh, I, would, I, I would have started earlier, I think. Uh, that's certainly what I would have done. Um, at a younger age, I think I was um, more risk averse for no real reason because I didn't really have responsibilities like I have now. The other thing is that I would have trusted my gut more. And I think it's something that I, I'd like to encourage all entrepreneurs um, out there is that when you have a sense um, of that you're on to something, go with it. Um, and even if you're going to fail, failure is an opportunity to learn. And that's your market giving you feedback. 
it's a, you know, it's not failure of you. It's failure of the idea or the execution of the idea or the delivery. And in that, you use that as an opportunity to kind of tweak, tweak uh, the product or the service to uh, finally meet the need that's out there. So my journey has been um, thankfully quite, quite, quite a, um, an exciting one. It hasn't been without shortcomings. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, and I've learned that the, the, at the core of everything is building trusted partnerships. You've got to surround yourself with people with whom you can build lifelong trusted relationships. Next to your marriage or significant partnership in life is your business partnership. Um, if you can build that at an early stage, then you're onto something because the, um, the, 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 the benefits of, of, of going into something with other people um, is, is just manifests many fold. I agree with you absolutely, Raymond. You couldn't have said it better. Um, Ifoma, for aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening and they have great ideas, but they don't know how to get it off. What advice would you give to accelerate their efforts? Well, my first advice is that you should get the knowledge first. You know, attend the training so that you know what you know well and you find out your gaps, you find out your strengths and you find out if you need a partner for that journey. It will save you a lot of wasted time, money and resources. Then the second is then, of course, when you do start, you know, there are lots of, you know, places where you can get your training right now. Okay, I've, I've said here, I've probably said this so many times now. You can get your training, you can get, you know, access. You have the business plan too that I can help you to do your business plan correctly and put up your milestones and it's for free. So why not use, all, use as many free resources as possible. Then when your business starts, you have to be very careful and very diligent about your finances. Keep your books up to date and pay your taxes because you never know when that additional grant is coming or when that investor is coming and you always need to be ready. You know, and the final thing I want to say is that, you know, times right now are very difficult and uncertain, but you know what, the, you know, the businesses that we know that are succeeding very well all started, you know, during times like this. I mean, look at what has happened to Zoom, you know, this period, they, they've, you know, they've, <laughs> this has been like their time, you know, and a lot of, you know, healthcare people have gone into telemedicine and all that. So don't say, oh, this is the wrong time of COVID-19. I would have done so well if not for COVID-19. No, you know, this is the time, opportunity. This is the time that you can get it right because you have enough time to take a deep breath and think. And then, you know, there's a lot of funding coming for people that have fantastic ideas over the next couple of months. Just keep an eye out for them. You must not do everything by yourself. Prepare yourself so that when this opportunity come up, you are able to, you know, maximize it. You are able, you have, you know, anything they ask for, you have it ready and you are among those shortlisted, you know, benefit from that. But most importantly, learn, know what you do not know and find out very early if you need a partner on that journey. Thank you so very much, Ifoma. We have a few questions coming in, and I think the first one that came in was for you, Raymond. And our participant is saying, you mentioned the low-touch economy, and that's a challenge when it comes to marketing new products and services. How can entrepreneurs be creative about giving customers and clients the opportunity to see, touch, and experience what their business has to offer? So that's a great uh, that's a great question, um, and it goes to the heart of what we're going to be needing to do in this new context of uh, a post-pandemic world. I don't think um, 
we're going to be going back to where we were before. I think uh, there's been a reset in how we do things. Um, and to that extent, one's got to be saying, how do I make sure somehow that I do a combination of what's virtual? Uh, we're having a virtual conversation. I've been, I, it feels like I know you already, Toyosi, after just yeah, an hour. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and we're connecting, right? And, 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 uh, and, and that's real. It's, uh, that's why we're having this webinar. But by the same token, I completely agree with the, the question uh, that's been asked about the difficulty. The question you have to be saying to yourself is, can you, um, in a very modular way, provide an uh, interaction with your product or service in a way that is, um, gives uh, the customer just enough experience to want to, um, to take a, a chance on your product or service? So how can you present a sample-like um, experience of your product? Can you deliver it in some shape or form? I mean, couriers are out there. Um, there are different uh, entrepreneurs that are, that are actually starting businesses to help solve your problem. So you need to be looking for, for people who are out there that have then said, why don't I start a delivery service to deliver small parcels uh, to people? Um, things like that, online marketplaces, are, are now a global phenomenon. Um, there's so many things that we can, we can and should do to think and act differently in this uh, post-pandemic world. And is there any difference, Raymond? Thank you so much for that insightful answer. And back to you again. Is there any difference between business entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship? Um, I think the, um, the the construct is the same. Uh, the impact is different. Uh, the construct says you are you have an idea and there's a problem. Whether it's a commercial problem or a social problem, you want to solve that problem. Um, and so at the end of the day, you have to be looking for a business model, a framework, um, and a, a delivery mechanism to actually uh, solve that problem or provide that service uh, offering. Um, at the end of the day, I think all entrepreneurship has one thing in common. It solves a problem and it has a positive lasting impact on the person receiving it or experiencing it. That's at the end of the day. So um, you're either doing it for profit or you're doing it philanthropically. But at the end of the day, the impact um, is a lasting profitable one. If you, if you use the word profitably in, a, in the widest sense possible for everyone that's experiencing it. Thank you so much, Raymond. Ifamad, the next question is for you. And our participant is asking, Ifama, you've worked with so many young entrepreneurs on the continent through the foundation, thousands of them. What are some of the most important personal qualities you've seen in successful entrepreneurs? What do they have in common? Number one is that they have resilience. In the face of amazing hardships, they have resilience. And, you know, if you, if you, you know, at times, so when, when we choose our entrepreneurs, you know, one of the things we look out for is, resilience and leadership capabilities. Another thing that I've noticed is that they have, you know, like very strong self-confidence. They really believe that, you know, that they have what it takes to make the difference. Because if you, you are like your first ambassador for your, your product and your company. So if you do not believe in your product, nobody's going to believe in it, you know. Uh, so they, they believe in what they have. They strongly believe that they have this idea that is going to make a difference or they have the solution to this problem. They have resilience and they're willing to learn. They're always learning. They're always finding out what they do not know and they're trying to close the gaps. 
Another thing that I've noticed is that they're very careful about their finances. Actually, at the starting stage, a business that does not keep track of their finances is, you know, is bound to fail. They look out for mentors because you know there's no need to make the same mistakes. You stand on the shoulders of giants. So if you, if you have if you are able to just cover this basis, at least you've covered like you know 80% of your order. Thank you so much, Ifuma. You could actually write a book on that with all the tips you shared on how to be a successful entrepreneur. And I could start a business on advising you on how to write the book. So let's talk after this <laughs> webinar. <laughs> let's talk after this webinar. Um, Raymond, um, Jose is asking you, what is the place of social entrepreneurship? I know you've spoken so much about it, but he's saying that, you know, what during this pandemic, what can we call uh, what we call solidarity economy or social business has proven to be um, part of some of the critical, critical issues that the state has clearly failed to provide for. I think what Joseph is trying to ask is, what is the place of social entrepreneurship during COVID-19? Well, let me give you a, a couple of examples that I've seen in this little village of, uh, of mine that I live in here. Um, you know, um, this is a tourist village in which I live in. It, it makes probably 80% of its income and the businesses that are here uh, are based on tourism. And a lot of the people have been without jobs since lockdown for a number of months. So the opportunity has then been for uh, people who are well-versed in, uh, in, in hospitality to start looking for ways of, of making a living. And essentially, you found that chefs have got together with waitrons and service people, and they've put together um, scalable soup kitchens, for example. And beyond that, they're starting to say, how can we start uh, feeding schemes um, uh, for people to start growing their own healthy food, as an example. So the point I'm really making is that the starting point for a social business coming particularly out of a post-pandemic world is to say, how do people um, bounce back using the very skills um, that they've got as an opportunity to move forward? Um, it's never only about what you've done before, but it's about what you've learned and how you can pivot uh, and use that as an opportunity to move forward. It's not easy under trying circumstances, but as uh, Ifoma said, um, resilience is a critical part of entrepreneurship. So basically get on with it. Thank you so much, Raymond. I know that we are having this conversation on post-COVID, but Damas Mu Tagoma is saying, what if COVID hangs on a little, a little longer? What if COVID doesn't go away in our communities? How can entrepreneurs continue to survive if this pandemic remains with us? If I'm your thoughts? Yes, I do. So, um, number one is this, there's the hallmark of every business is that they know when to reinvent themselves. They know when to pivot. They know when the time for a change has come. And so whether COVID, COVID happened or not, something else was going to happen to your business anyway, and you were going to have to pivot at a point in time. What this does for you is that you are pivoting faster than you probably would. But what it also does for you is that it's an opportunity for you to streamline, to go back to the lean mindset. So if this continues, you just keep innovating, you just keep leveraging technology, you just keep cutting off the fat in your business, and you just keep reinventing yourself to be able to succeed. And I'll, you know, there was a question that was asked earlier, which Raymond spoke to, and 
you know, it just struck me as this would be a perfect example for this. So if your business model has always been for people to touch your product, to feel your product, to be able to you know, buy your product, this is the time for you to pick 10 or 20 people who, you know, they'll touch that product, they'll feel that product, they'll do the demos online and they'll become, you know, like your, you know, your, your amazing ambassadors. And then the talk and the noise they make about the product convinces people to buy because, you know, there are two reasons why people do buy the product, that they've personally experienced it or somebody else has experienced it and the person is so passionate about it, they're saying, what is this that I'm missing out on? So you, you know, you pivot, you change your business model, you change your mindset of how you market and you know, approach your business, you cut out any fat. This is the time for the fat in your business to go. Thank you so much, Ifoma. Um, also, this next question is for you. Anna is asking, how can young entrepreneurs find mentors? Do entrepreneurs need to go through formal mentorship programs, or is it just a matter of asking someone to serve as a mentor? Are there any programs or materials you would recommend for a young entrepreneur just starting out? Um, so yes, a business, a young business needs a mentor. It's a no-brainer. And the reason why you need a mentor is that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know the mistakes you're working into. So what that mentor does is that they open your eye to what you don't know, and they open your eye to, you know, to the problems you're going to face in the future so that you've thought out your process very well. Now, in terms of finding mentors, you can find a mentor within your network, or there's so many, you know, impact hubs, entrepreneurship hubs, incubator, incubators, that you could, you know, just go online, check incubators around your, your area, impact hubs around your area, or you could go to TF Connect because there are lots of mentors there who would, you know, because we have mentors from both, you know, academia, we have mentors from, um, Know, private sector so we have like you know about you know we have makers from you know different people that have volunteered their time because they said the way i want to support africa is by giving up my time so you find these people and you make sure that you have the right mentor for your need because it's not everyone that can mentor you there has to be some chemistry between both of you the mentor has to be strong in the place that you're weak so you know it, Mentorship is not just about asking someone to mentor. It's about asking yourself, as I'm going into this business, what are the places I feel am I going or that I need someone to talk to me about? Because you have to be very, very you know, choiceful of even who you ask to be your mentor because it could, you're supposed to be trying to stand on the shoulder of a giant. So the giant had better be standing for you to stand on the shoulder. Thank you so much for that. If I saw Raymond nodding, we're going to wrap up in the next two minutes. Um, and our participants, as expected, are really looking out for what resources would you recommend in terms of books, courses, fellowship, and what would be your final advice to the over 30 participants on this line and so many others that are watching us on YouTube now? Raymond, over to you. Um, you know, the fact that you're on this webinar means that you've got access to, to broadband and you've got a device, which means that uh, over 6,000 universities are waiting to offer you a free online course in anything from nanotechnology to how to assemble a drone. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's out there and it's there at our fingertips uh, online. Um, the question is really, you need to decide where do I want to go? And how quickly do I want to get there? And uh, if former made the point earlier, quite succinctly, that what you need to do is to define very quickly where your gaps of knowledge are and then hone in on that. 
because um, TED talks on pitching, how to do an elevator pitch in five minutes on your uh, and stand in front of the mirror and practice. If someone were to say to you, you have five minutes with one of with Tony Elimulu uh, uh, himself in the elevator, what would you say to him about your business if you wanted him to be an anchor investor in your in your business? <laughs> Thank you so much, Raymond. Ifoma. I almost find that I'm going to echo Raymond because, they, you know, it, so the thing about mentorship is that it's hard to recommend the book to someone because you don't know where the person, where the person's gap is and what they need mentoring on, right? So that's why it's like, it's an, it's an intimate process for you to you know, ask yourself the real reason. Like, where are my gaps? Where, you know, like my problem could be financial literacy. Another person's problem could be confidence to be able to deliver, you know, to deliver a pitch. And therefore, if I say, if I recommend a book, it could be a book that talks a lot about, you know, financial literacy, which you don't need. So that's why it's good for you to check, to ask yourself, you know, top books on mentorship. You go, you see their ratings and you find which one speaks to the particular area that you have a gap on. That way you are honing in on where you need to improve, right? So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Any final advice? I think my final advice is this. Um, you have an idea that can make a difference in the world, if not just for your, apart from your community in the world. I think, you know, young entrepreneurs need to believe in themselves. The entrepreneurship is very difficult in the beginning. I've had some people, you know, that, you know, that when they started the program, they almost quit with us because they were like, oh, it's very rigorous. Well, guess what? They're the people that their businesses are doing very well because once they got over that initial shock of what they've gotten themselves into, they you know they pulled up, you know, they 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 pulled themselves up mentally and said, I can do this, and they're doing it. I gave examples earlier of four people, and I gave really gave from different parts of Africa. And that's for you to understand that there are normal people like you, young people like you, that just woke up one day and said, I want to make a change. If um Juliet, when she started um, a fashion line, because it was a fashion line, but she said, you know what, I'm going to now work with uh, recycled, I'm going to recycle plastics into fashion. Then she now went into biodegradable fashion. And now she's won so many awards, you know? But, you know, when she said she wanted to enter into fashion, you know, she did not know this where she was going to end up. So just, you know, believe that you are that person that, you know, has that idea that's going to make a difference and just stay in cars and just work at it no matter how difficult it is to get to where you want to go to. And of course, join TF Connect because you need have the resources that you need. <laughs> Thank you very Perfect. much. Thank you very much. It's been a Perfect. very exciting and stimulating session. I've enjoyed this conversation and I wish that we could go on for a really long time, but we have to round it up here. I want to say a really big thank you to Raymond Mplovo, who is the CEO Community Investment Ventures Oldens, and Ifoma Okafo Obi, Director of Operations, Tony Ilumelu Foundation. You've been listening to Emerging Opportunities for Young African Leaders Post-COVID-19, hosted by the Presidential Precinct. You can continue this conversation on the social media platforms of the Presidential Precinct and also follow this conversation on its YouTube page. My name is Toyo Siogusheya and it's been a delight sharing this moment with you. Thank you. And I'd like to add my gratitude to Toyosi Raymond, and Ethelma, who just brought so much experience, a wealth of experience, uh, 
as entrepreneurs and, and business leaders across the African continent and around the world, I have pages of notes that I love to share on the Presidential Precinct Network. And as Toyosi mentioned, uh, if you're not currently a member of the Presidential Precinct Network, you can go to presidentialprecinctnetwork.org uh, and sign up and, uh, and join uh, the Campfire Conversations uh, group uh, with follow-on discussions. Uh, and I hope that all of our panelists uh, will join us there as well and share any links that you might have, any further comments um, that you might think of uh, post today's discussion. And I also encourage all of our participants to join and share links and resources that have been valuable to you. This could be a really good opportunity for you to find mentors, to find peers that you can go through this journey together. Um, and I'm really hopeful that this group creates a book together. I, there's a lot of books uh, on entrepreneurship, but not around COVID-19 and emerging opportunities and who better to uh, work on something this, this group. Uh, but I, I certainly would love to read that. Um, and, uh, but we're so thankful to each of you Thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you on a future Campfire Conversation 2020 talk or virtual cafe in the near future. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much.